last feet in darkness turns to dust Everyone's gone but no one's leaving Nobody left but us Try to chase a feeling but we'll never feel it Riding on our last train home Dying in our sleep we're living out a dream We only make it out alone I just keep on hoping that you call me You say you wanna see me, but you can't right now. You never took the time to get to know me. We're scared of losing something that we never found. We're running out of reasons, but we can't let go. Yeah, Hollywood is bleeding, but we call it home. Outside the winter sky turning gray. excited big show today very excited grooving on a wednesday afternoon right <laughs> <laughs> welcome to a wednesday i'm are you relaxed we had monday off it was you know, nice i did enjoy having the day off i i love doing the show i'm not gonna lie i do love joining doing the show but i loved even more not having to do the show for one week <laughs> yeah it was, it was i mean not that it's hard work but you know everything else that we do it was nice to have a full day to kind of chill out and, and do nothing. Yeah, it was. It was definitely great for me to just kind of kick back. And I only had to do the one show, which was fine. You know, but so I did the one and then done. And 
I don't after today. I don't have a CMS on Saturday. This is like a week off. Wow, for me. look at this, <laughs> Natalie. Good afternoon, Seth and Chris, and everyone else. Hope uh, everyone had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. I really enjoyed meeting Seth and Heather, Sandy and Jim. It was a great time. Thanks, Sandy. Yes, I got to meet uh, the lovely Natalie over the weekend. Very nice. Went out to breakfast at Goldie's in Strongsville, our normal hangout, ten o'clock on Sunday mornings. And uh, Natalie and Scott were there along with a couple of their family members. And they were all very nice, very sweet people. It was very uh, enjoyable. I felt bad, though, because I had to, like, rush out to pick up my daughter to take her to work. But it was uh, it was cool meeting everybody. That's cool. Very cool, man. Look at you. Meeting all the peeps. See? Uh, Michael, what's going on, Mike? Uh, Watson said he hopes to bring a happy ending to the season. Yes. Hope he does, too. <laughs> Right on the 50-yard line. That's that would right. be great. That should be the halftime show. Right on Elfie's face. <laughs> that should be. All right, clean. Remember, we're supposed to be clean. We uh, say you that. can say that. What can? What couldn't I say there? Right I'm on jerking Elfie's off on Elf's face. Well, I didn't say that. You did. Wow. I said he was going to bring a happy ending to the to the Elf's face <laughs> on the 50. That could mean anything. That could mean anything. Yeah, I apologize. Could mean a first down. That would be a hell of a halftime show for the Super Bowl, though. Like, if the Browns make the Super Bowl, the halftime show should be, like, massages on, on the main stage. <laughs> Dude, if they were smart, they would have, like, a loge that they were selling that was full of, like, massage chairs and masseuses and <laughs> <Yeah>. everything else. <laughs> you know, all of them have the number four on them, stitched on them, the massage yeah, chairs. That, yeah. Seeing that little hype video at the beginning, I look, I I hate the politicization. What the political aspect that football got into with sure. all kneeling and a bunch of bullshit of these stupid players getting on a knee and, and ignoring the flag and the, the anthem. And so I hate that. Yeah. But I love football. Me too. And I love the game of football. I love watching it. I love that's it. You know, look, baseball has its own little thing that I enjoy. The strategy and everything is kind of fun. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you really know baseball. But I really enjoy just watching football yeah me too you know they ruined it for me a little bit with all the uh the crap with the kneeling but seeing that video makes me happy i just wish that all those highlights of the browns and ended in a win because most of them didn't yeah i know that's the sad part it's like here's a bunch of highlights from our seven and ten season so i'm excited to see what happens this year i think this team has a shot i'm not counting on anything and, and we'll we'll get into this more when we get into the into the um, football segment. But, uh, dude, I, I don't know if if you can if you're the same as me with this. We've been burned so many times that I still I know the team's great. I've watched every national pundit say that this team's going to be a playoff team. It's I read something today that said it's impossible for them not to make the playoffs. I'm like, sir, you don't live in Cleveland. They, they yeah. could have. They, they could be playing all high school teams and not make the playoffs because it's Cleveland. Right. Joe Montana could be the quarterback, and, <laughs> and we're going to not make the playoffs. I mean, yeah, just that's the way it happens here. We could have every greatest player of all time. We could have Jim Brown in his prime. We could have Randy Moss. We could have, you know, I don't know who on the other side. Somebody equally as good. We could have Dan Marino. We could have the entire Bears 85 defense and still lose 11 games because it's Cleveland. I played catch with Dan Marino. 
Wow, really? Yeah, my dad was the uh, sports editor for the Miami News. And we went to a camp, a training camp, my uh, Dolphins training camp. Okay. And I got to meet a couple of the players. Got uh, Remember Mark Duper, Super yeah, Duper? Yeah, Mark Duper, yeah, Duper and Clayton. Yeah, I got uh, like wristbands and nice. guys. And then, you know, my dad was talking to Marino, and Marino just passed me the ball back and forth a couple of times in a parking lot. And Dolphin <laughs> Now, was he throwing it or was he just kind of lobbing it? Well, I mean, it wasn't like darting the ball at my face or anything like that. Well, no. no, but I mean, he was throwing it like a regular, not not just. Yeah, it was like eight, dude. So you get him. Oh, okay. okay. I, I'm yeah. thinking a little older. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so they were probably lobs. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was still a highlight of my life that I, I never, you know, forget. Yeah. There's still only what about a hundred of you that could say that you played cat that you caught a pass from Dan Marino. Yeah. I mean, I, and then uh, you know, Bernie was another guy that I grew up with because I lived in Miami. Right. And Bernie Kozar was the freaking quarterback of the Hurricanes. Right. Right. And we went to a couple of Hurricanes games, but I was at the Doug Flutie Hail Mary game. Oh no, kidding! Wow. Against the uh, the Hurricanes, and Kozar was the quarterback. I think. Yeah, he had to be. And when we moved up here. Is when Bernie ended up getting drafted up here. Nice. And so uh, I pretty much was with Bernie throughout his entire career. All right. Then you used I, to you used to run the bars too, so I'm sure you saw Bernie out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I and I like Bernie a lot. I something weird happened to that guy though. One whole again got political. He endorsed some Democrat for some reason, and then he uh, I called him after. When I started doing this podcast mm-hmm. back in the early days of the whatever Mike wanted to call it days and the, the mine shaft or whatever. My, yeah, whatever no, it was. Mine field, not yeah, the mine shaft. Which was trademarked by like nineteen hundred other people. <laughs> and you know, I tried to get Bernie on. I I didn't want anything out of out of Bernie. Yeah. I just wanted him to come on the show for ten sure. minutes. And he like got real weird. Like I think he he thought I was asking for money or something when, because I was telling him about what happened to me with the leg, losing a leg, and all that kind of stuff. And I think he thought I was calling him to ask for like cash or something. I was, I was just calling to see if we could spend ten minutes to come on the podcast. Yeah, and nothing. So and then I haven't heard back from him since. So it is what it is. You know the deal, dude. Once you lose that, once you lose that job, you you might as well just jump out of their Rolodex. I mean, I'll you know. say whatever now because I don't really care. But that guy yeah. asked me. He wanted to date my sister-in-law. Nice. And and like, I mean, it was like weird, but you know, I'm okay to talk to you then, but apparently not now. Yeah. When you're so. trying to get him laid, then it's something, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Browns will win six or less. I, I agree. Don't know about that. You, you agree? Yeah. Six or less? Maybe five. Tops. You, you think they're going five and 12? Look, how am I going to get excited about a team that has yet to prove anything to me? Last year, Watson couldn't. If you and I were standing together, glued together, he couldn't hit us. <laughs> right. And, you know, we're not exactly the smallest of men. And if we were glued side by side, Watson couldn't have hit us. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. He did not look that good in the preseason to me. You know, I watched, which is rare for me. I never watch preseason. I always find preseason to be ridiculous. But He didn't play a whole lot. He, was, he but... didn't play a lot, but when he did play, he looked okay. Didn't look unbelievable. Didn't look like a superstar. 
just looked okay, which kind of made me think, hmm, we'll see. So, you know, I guess we will see. That's really what it comes down to. Kevin, how are we doing, gang, other than the world being on fire? Yeah, that is a problem. Um, but today we're kind of, at least for the first half of the show, if not the majority of the show, we're going to try to enjoy a little bit of stuff. We have some Browns talk. We got a new segment today that we're debuting. Yes. And so we got a Browns update, if you will. That's right. And so we're going to do that in a, in a minute or so. And then we have from the Rascals. Yeah. Felix Cavalier. Is that how you say it? I'm thinking that's how you say it. That's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> well, you're introing him because you know, I'll intro wanna... him. That's fine. That's fine. But he's the he's the main guy. He's the yeah, I know. He's, he's the singer. He's the keyboard player. You know, we My played that. My sister-in-law was uh, sent me a picture of her at a, a Rascals concert. Okay. And it was very cool. And she wants me to ask him a question, so I'm going to ask him. Okay. Awesome. Something that she wanted to ask, and then uh. After that, we got Tony Masaccio. He's going to be down in the flats, I believe. All right. Assuming that there's not a rainstorm that floods him out of there and he <laughs> wrecks another car. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Is Tony doing the Browns update? No. No. It's a friend of yours, correct? Yes. Yeah. John Drake, who's a um, he's a like a 20 year season ticket holder in the in the dog pound. Yeah. So I just figured, who better? And, and I mean, he's a homer's homer. I'm and he says you, that. Oh yeah. If you if you ask him, he'll tell you that they're going sixteen and one, right, and the I one will be because the ref screwed us. I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> yeah. Look up a picture of Bloom Daddy. All right. Let me see here. Not that I want to look at Bloom Daddy, but Daddy. When I saw this John Drake, when I was watching the beginning of the video, to me he looked like Bloom Daddy. Yeah, he does sort of. Bloom Daddy looks sort of like a combination of John and uh, Ricky Gervais. I see that. Yeah, he, I definitely see that. An image in new tab. Let me pull this down here. Such a pain in the ass was the stream yard to put a picture up. Why couldn't they just make it that you could just pop it in there? That would be. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> hey, clean show. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does sort of look like him. But I, I, I think that this John Drake kind of looks like him also. He does, kind of, yeah. So, Hopefully he's yeah. not as stupid as him. Wow. Look, I got nothing bad to say about that guy. It's people he works with that I have a problem with. I'll say it. He sucks as soon as his show. <laughs> oh, what's he going to do? Be mad at me? And then after we do this Brown segment, I want to run down. I did my fantasy draft yesterday. Okay. Now, I was out in the car doing the draft from my phone. Okay. And I suck <laughs> at drafting. Like, every year, like the first year I did this this draft, and I do it with a lot of guys that work at TIM, and then I work uh, a couple of guys that are just no longer with the station, but we all still do, you know, the, the you know, fantasy football thing. Right. And a couple of guys I don't know, and I think that they, you know, they're not very talented, but uh, I I don't really know them all that well, but they're okay. Okay. But I don't know shit. I mean, stuff about drafting in the fantasy world. It's just right, not right. my deal. And so I want to I want your opinion to see. I mean, do you know Brown uh, NFL football? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a... So you'll know the players when I say this is who they are. Dude, I make a couple thousand dollars a year every year off FanDuel. I know the players. 
All right. Well, I'm going to run by my run down my fantasy team with you after we do our Browns update in just a minute. Okay. But the first time I did it, I picked like literally like four Chiefs players. Man, I had like half of the Chiefs offense <laughs> as my starting lineup, and it didn't turn out that bad for me because yeah. the Chiefs had a good year. Sure. When they had off, I I mean I was screwed. But right. And if they have an off game, if they have the 13 to 10 game, you're really hosed. Right. I was hosed. Or on a bye week, I was screwed. So there were a couple times where I was just dead in the water. Right. Because the rest of my players, I've never even heard of. I just pick people. (laughs) And that's the way it got last night. Every time I recognize the name, next thing you know, gone. And I'm sitting there like a dumbass going, I still got six picks. What am I going to pick now? (laughs) I'm just picking the best of the losers. (laughs) So meanwhile, you're at the number... You like the number four guy for the Rams or something at right. wide receiver. Like, no idea who these people are. <laughs> and I'm looking at my lineup. I think I I might know who. No, I don't really know a lot of these people. Oh, we'll go through it. We'll see. See if I know. Right, so Maybe I we'll don't. We'll do that after uh, after the uh, the Browns update. So this is our new segment. I don't know if it's going to be as long every week. It, it won't be. This is kind of because he was intro in the segment, and I gave him zero direction. So all right. So this is a little bit long, but it's good. And so it's our brown segment. Uh, wait. What are we calling like it? Chuck Dog Booms. pound details. Yeah, it does kind of look like Chuck Booms. You're right. You're yeah. right. A little bit. I miss that guy. I like that guy. He was crazy, but he was good. All right. Brown segment. Here we go. All right. John Drake. Right. Yep. All right, here yep. we go. What's up, everyone? John Drake. He looks like Bloom Daddy, dude. <laughs> He does. I'm sorry. It freaks me out. When I saw it, I was like, what are we having Bloom Daddy on, on the show for? Well, right. I'll start having him intro himself as Bloom Daddy just to really screw it up. There we go. What's up, everyone? John Drake here. Homer for all things Cleveland. Browns apologist and season ticket holder in the lower dog pound. Here to talk some Cleveland Browns with you right here on the Seth Williams Show. A uh, few more days left, and then we are officially underway for the 2023 season as the Browns welcome the Cincinnati Bengals to First Energy Stadium this coming Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, I'm having a hard time remembering a more a more anticipated season than this one. I mean, obviously, as Browns fans, we always get pumped up for the start of a new season. Hope springs eternal, all those good little phrases and whatnot. But, um, you know, this one's a little bit different, I think. You know, you've got Deshaun Watson. He had a full off season. Obviously, we know of all of his legal troubles and all that kind of crap that he went through last year and all that whole saga. We don't need to rehash that crap. Um, but, yeah, he's, you know, he's fully a member of the team now. Uh, the offense is his. You know, he used the phrase that they gave me the keys to run it. And, um, you know, as a result, you know, I know I'm personally I haven't, I haven't been looking this forward to a season and man since I was a kid and I've been I've been following the Browns since 1985 so um, yeah it's it's pretty cool man this is obviously the most talented quarterback the Browns may have ever had um, I mean not to be historic about it but you can go back to Otto Graham to kind of think about the last time you had a quarterback that could be this dominant um Bernie Kosar is up there of course we hoped Baker Mayfield would be it but you know we, we all know how that ended uh that being said this is um a very interesting season because I know that for me personally and I'm sure a lot of other fans are like this I, I really think it's put up or shut up time I'm personally sick and tired of hearing well we're building towards something or you know making excuses at the end of a season or even during a season it's you know 
we keep hearing about all the talent that's on this roster, so it's time to shit or get off the pot. You know, win some games, go to the playoffs, and and don't just win a game. Like let, let's let's get back to the AFC title game. Let's push for a Super Bowl berth. You know, and you you continue to hear about how stacked the AFC is, how difficult the AFC North is, and in both of those statements are correct. Obviously, we know that, but you know what? With the talent that we've got lined up on, at least on paper, you know how things work here in Cleveland. Um, with the talent that we have lined up on paper. I, I, I'm sorry, but we should be competing with those upper echelon teams, I think. Um, you know, maybe it's pie-in-the-sky thinking, but a lot of national you know, pundits are saying the same thing, that on paper, this is the most talented Browns team they may have ever seen. So it's time for it to all coalesce and come together into a deep playoff run. So um, I know that for me, I don't really have a season prediction for the record. I do have an expectation. And I know that I'm not going to be happy with anything less than 11 wins. And I know that that's difficult with this schedule because you don't really have a lot of quote-unquote gimme games. Um, I mean, you do have the Houston Texans. You've got the Rams on the schedule. You've got the NFC West with the exception of the Niners because obviously they're a juggernaut almost with that defense. Um, by the way, is, is everybody else not as sold as, on Brock Purdy as I am? I, I just I just don't get it. I, he's a, definitely a product of Kyle Shanahan. But anyway... Um, yeah, there's not a lot of softball games on this schedule. And, you know, despite the fact that the season opens up kind of in the opposite fashion last year's did, you know, last year we looked at the first four games and said, oh, my God, we're going to be 4-0. Well, you know, you look at this schedule, and when you've got your three AFC North opponents and the Tennessee Titans in the first four weeks, that's pretty much the opposite of what it was last year. So it's definitely a very difficult opening to the season but I also think that that can set the Browns up well because if you can win three of those games um, you know coming out of that at three and one especially you know fingers crossed if those three are against the division opponents which is a tall task but if you can come out of that stretch three and one and you're three and zero oh in the division or you know three and one and you're two and one in the division whatever that's a damn good start to the season and I think it builds a lot of confidence going into that bye week that said, I am fully convinced that the one thing that can hold this team back this year, uh, something that I personally think that has been a problem for the last couple of seasons, and it's Kevin Stefanski's arrogance. He's known as, you know, he. the one thing you can say about him, he does get the best out of his quarterbacks. You can't deny that. I mean, he had Case Keenum in Minnesota, who had a career year. I mean, Jacoby Brissett last year, a journeyman backup, he had him, you know, as a top 10 quarterback with a top 10 offense. I mean, that's crazy. So, you know, he got the best out of Baker Mayfield for a while until Baker Mayfield stopped playing by the rules. But the one thing that he does is he just always has to be that smartest guy in the room. You know, there was a couple years ago we were playing against the Patriots in Foxborough, and the Patriots had a great pass defense and a crappy run defense, and it was pouring rain. And this nitwit comes out throwing the ball all over the yard. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, they can't defend the run, and it's raining. Run the goddamn football. And then they had one last year. It might have even been the last two years, but if I remember right, it was the Chargers who were terrible against the run. And he comes out throwing the ball. Like, why? And then you have what happened to us in the Atlanta game where Atlanta realized, hey, the Browns can't stop the run. So they had an 11-play touchdown drive where they never threw the ball once. Their coaches went, well, can't stop it. That's all we're going to do. And Kevin Stefanski never does that. He never just looks at a team's weakness and says, we're just going to pound you there. He's always got to be cerebral and figure something out. Well, this year, he needs to stop that shit. You know, enough is enough. 
use your talent in an intelligent fashion and stop trying to outthink everybody. I really think that that's the one thing that can hold us back. Obviously, Deshaun Watson not reverting to his, you know, 2020, 2019 Houston Texans form is also the major thing. That that one goes without saying, I think. But yeah, I really think that this year for me, I'm not going to be happy with anything less than 11 wins. I get it. It's a much more difficult schedule. But again, on paper, everyone says there's this much more talent. So let's go out and let's win these goddamn games. Enough is enough. I'm sick of wait for next year. I'm sick of watching other teams that are crappier than us take that one-year leap and just all of a sudden go from worst to first. I'm sick and tired of watching it not happen here in Cleveland. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to be happy with anything less than 11 wins. And I really think it's going to come down to Kevin Stefanski really using this talent intelligently and not trying to outthink everybody and oh look i'm the smartest guy in the room because generally when you think you're the smartest guy in the room you're usually the dumbest so uh i am really excited i am so unbelievably pumped up for this season and hoping we get off to a great start here this sunday against the Bengals, which i think we will everyone's pumped up we play well against cincinnati joe burrow is on a little bit of a bum ankle they haven't said how bad it is so it's setting up to you know could be a pretty good opener so uh Yep, John Drake here. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Seth Williams Show. And, uh, guys, here we go, Brownies. Here we go. Hoo, hoo. Thank you, Boom Daddy. I mean, John Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is the homer's homer. He definitely is. Yeah, of Let course me. he is. Picking 11 wins. 11 wins is a little much, but. <laughs> yeah, <come on. laughs> I'm with him. I hope, I hope he's right. I hope we are 11 and 6 or whatever that will equal out to. You know, I, I hope we are. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I'm like, I don't know about this Bengals week one. That sounds a little wrong. Well, Burrow's not playing. Then we have a shot. Burrow. But then again, Burrow really hasn't been, played all that great against the Browns to begin with. Yeah. Steelers, yeah. we should win. Come on. We never beat the Steelers. We should win. We should. But we it's should. Night, it's been but the, it's Monday night in Pittsburgh. Yeah. We should has been the word or the words of the uh, the Browns for the past 20 years. Oh well, let's just play this out. We'll play a Seth Seth versus versus me. Come and see what we come up. You keep track of how many wins you see, and I'll keep track of how many wins I see. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out at the end. All right. I'm Bengals Browns. Hang on. Bengals Browns. Yep. Um, that's going to be a loss. Right, I'm going to I'm saying loss as well. Right. I'm I'm, I'm keeping track of mine. Are you keeping okay. Now keep track of mine. Yeah. All right. Brown Steelers. Oh, loss. I'm going against the green, going win. Uh, Titans, Browns. Uh, Titans are going to have a good year this year. Loss. I'm going to win. Um, Ravens, Browns. Oh, come at on. Cleveland. At Cleveland. At Cleveland. Yeah. Still. Loss. I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, 49ers at Browns. 49ers at Browns. Their defense is too good. Loss. I'm kind of tossed on that. I'm going to stay with loss. I mean, 49ers are good. Colts, Browns. All right, we get a win there. We get a win. I'm I'm with you on that. Seahawks, Browns. Where at? Uh, In Seattle. Oh, loss. I'm going win. Uh, Cardinals, Browns. Arizona in Arizona in Cleveland. Oh, win, win, win! I say win as well. Um, now Browns at Ravens. 
Browns are at loss. I'm going to say win because I gave them a loss earlier. All right. Uh, Steelers at Browns. All right. I'm going to give them a win just for fluke. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stay with loss. Um, Browns, Broncos. Where? Uh, at Denver. Loss. I'm going to say win. Uh, Browns, Rams in L.A. Loss. No, Rams aren't very good. I'll give them a win. I Fluke will win too. on the road. I will give them a win as well. Right. Here's probably the hardest game of the entire season in my eyes. Jaguars, Browns in Cleveland. What's the date on the game? December 10th. So it could be shitty outside. Could be. I'm going to go with a win on that one. That's a real toss. I'm going to go win just because I like the Browns. So so win there. Um, Bears, Browns in Cleveland. Justin Fields throws for 800 yards. We lose. <laughs> I'm taking the win on that one. Uh, Browns, Texans. I'm going to go with a win, I guess. I, I, I just, you know. I'm going for a win, too. They have nothing. C.J. Stroud is not the answer. You don't know that yet. He's not the answer. Stop it. He could be better than Deshaun Watson. He could How's that be, guy done? He could also be Cardell Jones. Yeah, could He's be. He's not the answer. Right. Same system as Cardell Jones, and he turned out to be a real jewel. Pass on him. He stinks. Win for the Browns. Better than what they, Ohio State has now. Yeah, that guy was good. He won. Dude, um, they're going to drop 10 spots in the polls because <laughs> that guy can't throw the ball. All right, here's a definite loss in my head. Jets-Browns, even loss. it's it's in Cleveland. Yeah, loss. That is, I agree with you, that is a loss. And last but not least, Browns-Bengals in Cincy. Loss. All right, what do you got? I have, well, it's a lot easier to count my wins. One, two, three, four, six wins. I have 11. Wow, you agree with uh, John Drake. I do, which, which I didn't do on purpose. Six. I have 11. I'm telling you, I just don't think they're very good. I just don't. I don't think they're good. I, 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 hope, I, I hope I'm wrong. But every <laughs> single year, oh, yeah, we're loaded. Look at all these players we got on paper. They look fantastic. And then every year they suck. Amari Cooper is the best receiver since Jerry Rice until he joins the Browns. Deshaun Watson is a Hall of Fame quarterback until he gets massaged and joins the Browns. Right, exactly. Everybody sucks. Nick Chubb is great, except when he when except we they don't the use game. him. They don't or use they him don't the use him. Should <laughs> we had two of the best running backs in the league? We don't use them the right way, and it's pointless. Yeah, and Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward got a concussion again from putting his headphones on or something. You know that dude <laughs> yeah. is that dude is the most glass Joe since um, RG three. We we can't get a secondary. We've never had a good secondary. What was that? Like Joe Hayden gets a, a splinter in his toe and is out for eight weeks. Yeah. Last good one we had what? Minifield and um, Dixon. Dixon, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's because the game was different back then. Yeah. Back then, if you got hurt, you stayed in the game. Freaking Bernie Kosar for all the crap that I talk about that guy now broke his ankle. And stayed yeah. out there and drew plays in the dirt to, to win football games. Mm-hmm. These guys 
they get a hangnail and they go, yeah, I got to sit on a bike on the side uh, for uh, how long you be out? Three weeks. What? Yeah, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, mean, I just saw a clip of Hugh Jackson back in the day when he was the supposed coach of the Browns. And he was talking about, oh, hey, this is my team. I'm going to run this team the way that I want to run it. When they were on hard knocks. And right. he's talking about, you know, they were saying, well, the coaches are saying, we need to get these guys playing and practicing. Well, you know, these guys are hurt. I don't want to be hurt all season long, so I'm going to stick them on the bikes. And you know, when it's your team, you can run it like it's your team. And this is my team. Look, you dick. You didn't win anything. <laughs> right. Uh, dude, I, I, I'm with you. You know, I picked 11, which I just did totally at random. It's the first time I've run through it even. But, man, I, I, a lot of it, I think, is hope. You know, I, I, dude, it, it could. Ch- the worst part about this with the Browns, and I'm not even kidding here. I mean, people are probably gonna think I am. The same team that I just picked 11 wins for could absolutely be three and 14. Oh, without a doubt, it could absolutely happen. Lose a couple of these games that are surefire wins, like the Cardinals and the Colts, and you can see the player morale go to shit, and they just don't win anything. And that's right up in the first half of the season. So it could just tank the whole. That's really the biggest scare I have is that the beginning of the season is really kind of tough. You know, Bengals, Steelers, Titans, Ravens, 49ers, first five games. They could be 0-5. Yes. And if they're they're 0-5, they're they're probably done because their mentality would be toast. Ronnie Lott had a finger removed at halftime. I remember that. Played in yeah. the second half. I mean, that's football was football. They were men uh, back then. Might as well just put flags on these guys. Yeah, they were All right, men. We only got like eight minutes or so before the, our guest joins us from okay. Nebraska. So I'm going to yeah. run down my uh, my fantasy team for you. Okay. I'll run down my, my starters real quick. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go down. I'll give so I'll, my flex player. Okay. Is. Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. Ugh. Wide receiver. Yeah, I don't know, know who he about. is. I know who he is. He's not tight good. end. Greg Kittle, 49ers. That's a good player. He's questionable, though. He's injured. He's always hurt, but it, but when he's on the field, he's good for 15 catches. I, again, I don't even know how to pronounce some of these guys' names. Damian Pierce, running back, Houston. He was really good last year. Travis Etienne. Oh, ETN from the Texans, right? Jacksonville. Texans? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah. One of played for he's, Clemson. Yeah, he's pretty good. I don't know this guy. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, San Francisco. I don't know him. I honestly don't know that name. Chris Olave. See, I liked him. Yeah, he's good. For New Orleans, wide receiver. I just looked up Ayuk real quick. The Ohio State, yes. Ayuk last year had 78 catches and eight touchdowns. Probably not a not a bad player. I mean, he's a four-star pick. Yeah, he's he, he's, he's probably pretty decent. Now, my, my starting quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. What? So I got a good player there. Was that? Did you have number one pick in the draft? Number two pick. Who went ahead of Patrick Mahomes? I can't remember who the guy picked ahead of me. He wasn't a quarterback. He picked a wide receiver or somebody. Justin Jefferson? Uh, maybe. Probably. Probably. On my bench, I have, again, I got to tap on these players, Jake Ferguson? 
Tight end for the Cowboys? Yeah, he's pretty decent. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman from the Ravens? That's a hard one to pick because God knows who's going to play with the Ravens. I don't know who the hell this guy is, but I picked him anyways. Samaji Perrine from the Broncos running back? No idea. Broncos, well, hold on, Broncos, real quick. Broncos are a tough one to pick because God knows what their what their offense is going to do. So, you know, could be a tough, could definitely be a tough one there. But my my second quarterback, yeah, I have Deshaun Watson. I, I just uh, that's still a safe pick. And people said, why? Because you hate women? No, because I love women, massage women. <laughs> and then for my kicker, I have Justin Tucker from the Ravens. He's the best kicker. He's the best in kicker in football. Dude, you're going to do well in your pick. And on my defense, I have the Steelers and I have uh, the Bills defense. You're going to do fine. You're going to win 12 games in your league. That's fine. So, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we do have our guest. I want to play a, a quick uh, spot here and then we'll get to our, our guest. All right. Sounds great. Sound good? Sounds great to me. All right. We'll be right back. All right. There's no place like home. And whether it's furniture, artwork, home accessories, appliances, or that one-of-a-kind collectible, Yellow Brick Road Online Auctions allows you to find everything you need from the comfort of your own home. The owner of Yellow Brick Road Auctions has been conducting online estate auctions for over eight years by providing homeowners with a stress-free process to liquidate all items that have accumulated over the years. I'm Melissa Mendici, owner of Yellow Brick Road Auctions. Log on today to find your heart's desire. Young Russell. Let's welcome our guest to the show. Felix Cavalier, how are you, man? Hey, man, can you see me all right? See and hear you perfectly, man. I'm Great good. to have you. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, man. Well, dude, as I, I, I will start this off because I am a huge fan. I excellent. am I, I I grew up, you know, I'm 50, 54 years old. Your music was in my mom's record player all the time so i Thank literally you, grew Thank up you, on your stuff there you go <laughs> well man a lot to unpack here i figured what we would do is maybe start with the new and then we'll work backwards a little bit but um for everybody that doesn't know felix has a brand new release getting ready to hit called then and now it's a great record has a new single which we will play at the end of this called soul love so why don't we start there man tell us about you know what you're doing and um how you're keeping on and how you're keeping your career going. Well, you know, during, during the COVID, uh, we were kind of locked up. Everybody was locked up. So we decided, you know, man, let's do, let's, let's, let's do an album. 
Right. You know, and through the magic of computers, as you guys know, well, you know, what we're doing <laughs> right now, right. we were able to do it. We, we had started, uh, we, had a, we had an idea, we had a premise. We said, look, you know, why don't we take five songs that really influenced me and re-record them and then write five new songs that kind of, to a degree, show the influence, uh, you know, from those people like Ray Charles, you know, like Benny King, you know, like people that I really, really admire. And uh, that's how it started. Then the COVID hit and then we said, okay, well, we can do it in, in the homes, right? which is not as much fun as doing it in the studios. Sure. But hey, virtual, virtual everything, right? So <laughs> right. that's how it started. That's how right. it came about. Very, now, now, how did you go about choosing the songs? I mean, I, I have to imagine most people my age would be choosing your songs. So well, how do you? Cool, so how yeah. would you choose your songs? That uh, that's uh, almost impossible, man. Because like, there's so many songs that you you love, you know, really, really love. I mean, you know, like most of us in 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 my generation, you guys are a little older, but you know, we didn't have the access to Spotify and Apple Music and you know sure. all that. We, we had to really search, mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I mean that, for uh, not only radio stations, but uh, places where you could physically buy the product, you right. know? And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was to totally different from now. You can hear anything all over the world. So those, those records, those songs, they really mean a lot to us. You know, I'm sure if you ask, uh, you know, Beatle guys and Stone guys, they'll tell you the same thing. They really meant a lot because they were hard to get. So yeah, how do you pick the songs? I don't know, man. We just, you know, we collaborated. I collaborated with my guitar player, who's a co-producer, and uh, we just came up with five. And we have we have so many more. Sure. Go ahead, Seth. Are, are, you brought up COVID, so I'm going to ask you about it because things are starting to have an uptick once again when it comes to oh, COVID. Oh yes. Are, are you worried about that kind of thing? Is that going to affect you again if this kind of stuff keeps happening I mean, what, what's the plan or do we just say enough is enough we're going to keep going and keep moving forward and what are you going to do man you know like i say i mean i, I was fine uh right. until i went out of the house <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. i was doing great man i was well cooped up and everything was fine of course it was no work you know we have to realize a lot of people especially you know a lot of people don't realize the people who uh help out with uh you know like the crews and the yeah. sound people they they really suffered, man, because they they there was nothing, there was no work. So I'm hoping it doesn't get back to that level. But you know, you just do what you can. I mean, I'm I'm a guy that if uh, you know, I come from a medical family. Okay. So when the doctor tells me to get a shot, I get a shot because the doctor was my parents. You know. Right. So so I I feel like I'm I'm immune. I I I had it. I got it. I got it in route to shows in Hawaii, man. And wow. it, it just knocked me cold. I couldn't. I couldn't go. They wouldn't let me out of my room. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Right on, man. Well, um, well, Felix, let, let's go back a little bit. We, as you just saw when we were getting started, we played um, one of the most iconic um, clips from your band when you appeared on Ed Sullivan, and um, I, I, I'm somewhat of a music historian, but I did not live through that period. I've heard about it. Right. I don't think people, though, my age or younger, can really understand how big Ed Sullivan was. It's like, am I wrong in thinking that an appearance on the Ed Sullivan show was like an appearance now at the Super Bowl? It was like the biggest thing you could do, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously the Super Bowl is humongous, sure. you know, but you know that that's right. I mean, if if you look back at uh, like for example, Elvis Presley, mm -hmm. you know, Beatles, you know, uh, all of us, all of us, and believe me, remember the first time they were on TV. And and for most of us, you're absolutely right. The Ed Sullivan Show was where you saw them. And, you know, it was kind of a different show. I don't know if people realize, I don't know if they're interested, but basically that was a different show from anything that has been out since. First of all, Ed Sullivan was a columnist. Right. He was a newspaper columnist. And in those days, newspaper columnists were very powerful because when they would write a review about somebody, uh, you know, basically it brought the public's attention to them, much like the media does today, you know, the Internet. Only, mm -hmm. of course, it was just local papers or, in some cases, nationwide. So he was a big man. So what happened is the CBS network came up to him and offered him a time slot on uh, prime time, which was 8 p.m. Eastern time. Sure. And unlike other shows, first of all, it was live. And, and I mean live. I mean, like, I'll explain to you if you guys are interested. What sure, yeah, please do. Well, I'll tell you, basically, he was given a, a, a flat fee to spend. So we got our normal pay. Everybody got paid. We didn't, it was before union, you know, locked us into this, the certain amount we get today. So we got a concert fee. Okay, okay. So what we did is we went in Monday morning at 7 a.m. Okay. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and rehearsed. Wow. Saturday night, full show, audience, no television. Okay. Sunday night, the real thing. On the air, audience, he screwed it up every time. <laughs> well, you know why? Because, you know, I mean, commercials are 30 seconds, 15 seconds, 90 seconds, 60 seconds. So everything is time except him. Right. See? So basically when he would go on, he would see somebody that he knew in the audience and he would lose his train of thought. Much like some of our leaders today, you know? <laughs> And he would just, you know, oh, there goes five seconds, ten seconds. Okay, now you got to make up that time. Right. Somebody has to make up that time. Right. Well, it, it was really exciting. I mean, it was so exciting that you know my ex, you know my ex writing partner Eddie there, he used to go home and wreck the house, wreck the apartment because you're so built up, man, from seven days, and then you wait, you have two minutes, two minutes live. <laughs> So it was fun, man. It was really fun, you know, and, and, and he was a, he was a very interesting guy. I mean, he, he really was a different generation, you know, totally different. He looked at us like we were alien beings that came on the stage, you know? Sure. Yeah. What, were the fan, what were the fans like that, oh, during cool. those times? Cause I mean, it seemed like all, all you see is screaming girls everywhere. Is that I what know. it was like all the time or what? Well, not all the time, but I mean, you know, when you went home, it wasn't like that, you know, but they were screaming for a different reason, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, I mean, it, it was exciting. I, I mean, I, I must tell you that when you're a young uh, rascal, you know, in our part, and you got three three guys with you that are all striving for the same goal, man, it, it's really a lot of fun. I got to be honest with you. It was fun until, you know, it became a little bit different. And, you know, of course, those are his, historic events such as Altamont, you know, when that happened, mm -hmm. you know, when the, it started to get a little heavy, when the drugs changed, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, let me tell you, man, that was a lot of fun. Sure. What do you think it was about your music specifically that has withstood 
the test of time better than a lot of the bands that you, were your contemporaries at the time, the Hermits Hermits or Love and Spoonful or Paul Revere and the Raiders, you know, bands like that. They don't seem to get as much classic rock or oldies love as you do. It seems like your songs, if I go, if I tune in here in Cleveland to the, um, to the oldies Cleveland. station, Absolutely. I will hear, I will hear a Rascal song within three hours. That, that That's a given. But I I won't necessarily hear a lot of those bands that you came up with. Do you yeah. what What is it that you think is the reason that your music has withstood longer than those other bands? Well, that's a really difficult. First of all, you guys live in Cleveland, which is smart enough to have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. So I got to give you guys credit because you know how that happened and all that stuff with the voting, right? Right, you know, right. You're hip to that. Well, they were hip enough to do it. They did it. Look at that. Cleveland's a very, very musical town, as you guys know. Sure. And boy, if those Browns could only win, wow, <laughs> would that be something? Uh, yeah. But look, the only thing I can say to you is, look, I, I, I really, you know, it's very difficult to answer a question like that. But I, I, I cannot stress the environment that Atlantic Records provided for us to make music. I mean, believe me, they were all about making great product. I right. mean, the people that were in that camp. The Arif Martins, the Tom Dowds, the Ahmed Erdogans, Deshawi Erdogans, Jerry what? I mean, okay, obviously they were trying to make money. We all know that. But you know what, man? They really wanted to make great music. So they made it extremely easy to make right. great music. And I got I got to say, man, that that really, really, I mean, we were in the same studio that Ray Charles was in, you know, later Aretha Franklin. I mean, you know. Uh, the Penguins, I mean, the Coasters, the Drifters. If you couldn't make music in that studio, you better go home. <laughs> right, definitely. Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to ask, though, is that back then there was such a music scene, everything from Motown to, you know, every, all that stuff. And there were bands all over the place that were so good. And now their music is so ridiculously horrible. And they're making <laughs> millions of dollars. And it's sad that we can't have a revolution of rock music the way that it was meant to be. Today, it's terrible, and they make millions, and you guys are still the face of what rock should be. Why did rock. it change so much? I'll tell you why. A friend of mine wrote a song. It's called, It's Not the Money, It's the Money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <true. laughs> you know, I can only give you my theories. I, sure. I can't, you know, but Woodstock, the major hippie event of the year of the of the of the of the decades. Damn, yeah. That's what did it. Because right what happened then, what is it, half a million people showed up? Sure. Mm -hmm. The powers that be, the good old corporations, the good old American business corporations said, hmm, I see a market out there. Right. Let's go get it. So they started saying, okay, God doesn't make the groups. We're gonna make the groups. God doesn't make the hits. We make the hits, and it changed. It became a corporate world. Now, you know, you guys, I'm sure you're involved with radio. Yeah. I don't have to say anything else. I mean, you know, yeah. radio is uh, corporate. Yeah, it's absolutely. a corporate world, big time. So that it, that that, in my opinion, is is. But you know, there's this. They'll never stop it because there's so many kids and people out there that are making music now. Somebody, of course, look. It's going to be difficult to get another Michael Jackson or a Prince or a Beatle, but they're out there somewhere, you know, and they'll pop up. I have no doubt they'll pop up, but we're going to start all over again, man. 
But do, do you think that there's the machine now to do that? Because, you know, I, just, just like you were saying with Atlantic, if Atlantic believed in you like they obviously did, they, they were going to push. It was, it was like a poker player pushing all his chips in. They would push all their chips in. Now, now if they're not playing with house money, they don't even want to play. It, it just doesn't <laughs> seem like there's any it doesn't seem like there's any foundation anymore. There's no MTV or there's no Ed Sullivan or there's no American Bandstand. There's nowhere to see this stuff unless you're actively looking for it. And I, I think that's one of the biggest problems of then versus now is that it's, I hate to be this blunt about it, but there's no one spoon feeding it to the audience. Well, you know, now again, you get into like philosophical uh, discussions here, which is fine with me, man. I'll tell you something, you know, I believe, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a lottery. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad used to say, well, somebody's got to win, man. And I said, well, you're wasting your time. What are you buying that ticket for? Somebody's got to win. It's kind of like, you know, you're drilling in the backyard and, you know, like, oh, there's oil back there. I hit a, a, a thing like you're talking about. I hate to say it's not man-made. Man. Right. It's not made. It's it's made in heaven. It's made. It, it's it, it, it's coming. And believe me, it's going to come because everybody who ever recorded, you know, they really believe that, you know, somebody's going to hear this. And it's gonna it's gonna hit. Otherwise, why bother? Because it's impossible. I mean, what are right. you gonna do? Yeah, you, know, you come from Nashville, you write songs. Right, you know, right. big good luck. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's like 10 zillion songwriters now. But mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk for hours on this. I had a neighbor. Yeah. I had a neighbor when I was first when I, I moved down here to Franklin, Tennessee. His name was Bob Carlisle. I don't okay. know if that rings a bell. But he, he used to he used to work with this uh Christian group called the, uh, what the heck was it, uh, Aliens or something like that. And, and he was also one of the Ninja Turtles. Okay. Anyway, he wrote this album, and my kids used to play with his kids, the Allies. That was the group. The Allies, group. okay. So he, he said, you got to come over, Phil. I want you to hear this song. My wife loves it. She wants me to put it on the album. I don't want to put it on the album. It's too personal. I go over there. Now, I had four daughters. Mm-hmm. I, start, I heard this song. I started crying. Because it was called, uh, uh, what, 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 you know, it, it was a song about when you butterfly kisses. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard that. So five million albums. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I had no idea, man. He had no idea. Every father that heard this knew what that meant. It meant, you know, like they put their little eyebrows on you. Right. Uh, eyelashes on. That's what we live for, man. Some disc jockey heard it on 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 a, uh, in Florida. It became like a, a national bestseller. That's what we sure. lived through. Sure. Do you know, like when you when you come up with the idea, like when you came up with the idea for Groovin' or Lonely Too Long or any of that, do you know, damn, that's it. That's yeah. it. Or do you just kind of think, well, this is good and let's see what happens? Well, basically, see, Atlantic Atlantic had like, for example, uh, in the old days, they, they, were, they were in one floor of a building. Okay. You know? And so basically the secretaries were right next to us. And then the hierarchy was a little further down. So when something was happening in the studio, they'd all come in. Okay. See? So when they come in, they go like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, because Atlantic was very, it wasn't like as corporate as they are today where, you know, they got these sure. big signs up. Do not enter. Auto-tuning going on. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, 
so it passed through the ranks of the of the record company, you know. Okay. And then finally, some of the big big guys would come in, and and then you'd say, okay, you know, y- you need people to tell you whether something's good, man. Because if you don't think it's good, then nobody else is gonna think it's good. So, right. You know. Right on. How difficult well, fun, is man. how I mean, difficult like is say, the how difficult is the streaming now for you? How difficult is it to move from uh, selling records to now having to push Spotify and and stuff like that because it's so different and it's so weird. And I, I'm I did rock radio for you know over a decade and it, you know I was playing CDs, but now it's all digital. It's all Spotify and Apple Music. And how difficult is it for artists? Very difficult. It's very difficult. You know, you you don't want to discourage young people, but you say like, you sure you want to do this? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, it's 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 tough, man. You know, it, it's a whole different world from like uh, like when you started and when we started. Uh, what are you going to do? That's the way it is. But you know, like a lot of people, for better or for worse, they just got the bug, man, and there's just nothing you can say to them to stop them from trying. Sure. They want to do this, go for it, man. You know, it it's. It's really difficult, but it's not impossible. Sure. I, I've always argued, Felix, that the that the biggest problem with streaming itself is not so much the medium or whatever. I know one of the huge problems is you guys getting paid. I definitely know that part. Right. But the biggest problem I see from it is there's no connection anymore between me, the fan, and you, the band. And, and I'm sure you lived through this a hundred times where – People bought your record. They showed up at the concert with that record to get it signed. And they could tell you, they could probably tell you who was the engineer and the, you know, the the tape cutter and everything from reading the credits even more than you could because we were so connected to the bands that we loved with the physical product. I honestly believe that the lack of physical product today makes music feel disgusting disposable instead of having that direct connection to to the artists that we love do you think that's true well, you know it's, it's interesting that you say that because you know as I, we did this album mm-hmm. you know and then my manager said to me well man we we, we got to get vinyl i said right. what are you talking about you got to get vinyl man the people want vinyl i said well are you kidding no so it took us without exaggeration almost two years to get the vinyl pressed Wow. Because, well, because the pressing plants are the same pressing plants they were 40 years ago. They're right. just getting hip to the fact we better get some new pressing plants. So they right. were backed up, backed up, backed up with Taylor Swift, with Beyonce, and they didn't have time for Felix Cavalieri records. So bottom line is, okay, so why, why do they want vinyl? It's not only because it sounds different. It's because I got a piece of something in my hand, man. Mm-hmm. It's not a digital thing that whew, a zero and one just flew through my room. Yeah, I really believe you're onto something with that. That's what they want. They want that piece of, of, of I own this. Right. No, I agree. I, I'm curious, you know, since we're talking about physical product, that obviously leads to people approaching you and buying physical product at the shows. Right. What what age group do you see? I mean, obviously you see the older people, but are yeah. you seeing more and more younger people that are discovering the music? And if so, do any of them tell you how and why? Well, they, they usually say, my, my grandma. <laughs> I said, okay, kid, you can go home now. No, <laughs> yeah. no they, they do. They tell you their parents or their older brothers or something like that. You know, you know, uh, 
it, it, it's difficult, man, because you know, like I say, this 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 audience of ours are getting a little older. Sure. We do a lot of these cruises, which you got to see to believe, because man, you've never seen grown-ups that want to act like they were 15 <laughs> years old till you've been out to sea. Right. They they really really have a really have a ball. We do this thing called flower power. Oh my God, when that boat leaves the harbor. It's insane. It's really <laughs> fun. But they have so much fun. And we have like a you know, family stone on there. Guess who on there? Uh, Mitch Ryder on there. We have like, you know, all the oldies, but goodies. Those that can walk are still playing, you know? Sure. And uh, I'll tell you, man, uh, you, you want to get the young people, but they have so much to listen to nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you keep up? It's impossible, you know? Sure. Now, and, and the interesting thing, too, is that with the younger people, just like we were just saying, they're not going to connect to you the same way that 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 no. the older people did. They're just and it doesn't even matter that you're right in front of them. They still don't know the history. They they just no. know it, it's an old band. You know, they don't they don't know that it's, you know, a band that shaped their mom and dad's life or their you know, they, they just don't understand that. And they don't have. I, I would say short of a very small handful of artists today, today's modern bands like Taylor Swift, there's really nothing like what you guys were doing or the Stones or the Who or the Temptations or Four Tops. You know, it's there's just not that spectrum of bands yeah. that were big, larger than life and created great music every single time you heard it. Well, you know, uh, just as, uh, on my own behalf, because... You know, I still obviously love to listen to music. Sure. You know, uh, this is where the Spotify's come in and, and, and that really helped me. First of all, I lost my whole record collection in a fire. I, oh. I had a phenomenal record. So it's right there on my, it's right there on my phone, you know? Right. Number two, I, I've been listening to a lot of music from other countries. Okay. And uh, like, for example, um, if you notice a lot of the English artists, Ed Sheeran and all these guys, they all pay very close attention to African music, mm-hmm. Nigerian music, Kenyan music. Sure. There's a guy named Burna Boy. You ever hear Burna Boy? I don't yeah. know him. I've heard that. Check it out, bro. Okay. Check Burna Boy. Let me tell you something. I saw a concert on Apple Music, which is live. If it's still on, there must have been, you know, Wembley Stadium, what does it hold? 30, 40,000? Yeah, yeah. They well, Wembley? Every, Wembley holds 90,000. It was packed. <laughs> they knew every single word of this dude's rapping. And I'm telling you, it's good stuff, man. That's but cool. there's so much good stuff around the world that's not kind of like Americanized, you know, basically like you're talking about. Because I completely understand. You know, it, it, what are you going to do, man? I, I mean, like I say, I, I I see Ed Sheeran like using this stuff, man. I see a lot of artists. They're, they're, they're actually making records with it. Right. Yeah, actually, that Burna Boy did the NBA All Star halftime show. That's where I saw. Amen. You're watching, my man. Absolutely. Yeah. It was it, that it cool? Was, it was these pretty guys, cool, actually. Yeah. Let me tell you, these guys are good. And if you like rhythm, which you know is the foundation of rhythm and blues, oh my God, you're going to hear rhythm like you never heard. It's sure. really a phenomenon. <laughs> Very nice, man. Right. Well, if it, go ahead. Go Real ahead, quick, I, I got to squeeze this question in because we have a, a fan of yours. And she wanted me to, to ask you a question. She's a super huge fan. She's been to shows. But she wants to know, is there any chance of you and the surviving members doing a, another <laughs> Rascals tour and maybe coming to Cleveland area? 
Well, you know, I think the word is surviving members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate to word it like that, but I'm just I saying, he's right. is there any chance of a tour? Yeah. You know, man, I, I mean, it's so interesting. We tried and tried and tried and tried, and I keep trying. And the last time, you know, we lost our drummer, Mr. Danelli, Dino, right. Dino passed, you know. Right. Uh, Gene, it has been coming out with me. He's trying his best to get his health together to come out again. And Eddie, unfortunately, he, he gave up. He doesn't really want to work, man. I mean, he's not out there. He's not out there singing and playing and rocking, which is his decision. But, I mean, he decided to retire when he was 28. I mean, that's a little young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, so I, I don't think we can put it together anymore. Uh, you know, we're out there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be out there. If you want to If you want to get the closest thing, come on out and see me, man. I'm still working. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be touring? Are you going to be coming to Cleveland anytime soon? Where? I hope so. You know, we like, like I say, I spent a lot of time in Cleveland over the years, not not only in, 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 in places, but in the Hall of Fame. I used to work regularly for the Hall of Fame, you know, like uh, under different management and stuff like that. I used, to, I used to do a lot of shows there. And as I say, I, I went to Syracuse University. A lot of our athletes ended up in Cleveland on the Browns. And, sure. You know, so I spent a lot of time there. It's a rocking city, man. Yeah, it absolutely. really is. Right on, man. Well, Felix, we're going to wrap this one up here in a second by, by playing a bit of the single for Soul Love. What can you tell us about the single? Well, I wrote it with this, 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 these young guys from Canada. They came down, they came down from Canada to work with me. And it was so funny because I got, a, I got a studio in my house. I got, a, you know, I got a reasonable studio. I got speakers and keyboards and everything. Right. They came down with a freaking laptop. They said, well, we don't <laughs> need any of that. We're going to do it on a laptop. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, whatever you say. So we did that on a laptop. It's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds great. And yeah. I do want, I just want to double back before, before we wrap up to what you were saying about coming out and seeing the next best thing to the, the rascals, seeing you out there performing. I'll just, I, I'm not going to make any statement other than to challenge people. Just go out to YouTube and look up Felix. Cause there's Absolutely. plenty of, of video of you out there performing and it's pretty amazing. You sound pretty much the same as you Thank did God. in 1966 or whatever, man. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, trying to keep trying my best, man. But you know, like we we came up in the era with James Brown and those guys, and you don't stop till you get them standing up and dancing, man. So right? that's how we work. Absolutely. Well, Felix, this has been a great talk. The new album is called Then and Now. Where should we tell people to go online to keep up with you and tour dates and buy not just stream but buy the merchandise <laughs> and all that stuff? Well, I'm doing a thing called Talk Shop Live next, uh, as a matter of fact, next uh, tomorrow, Thursday, which okay. we sell it. And, and FelixCavalieriMusic.com is selling it. And hopefully, you know, we'll get it, we'll get it around, man. I've, I've got people helping me out with that. And thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. And enjoyed talking to you. Believe Absolutely, man. It's thank great. you. Much appreciated. All right, Felix. All right guys. See you Take soon, care, Felix. Thanks. Right. Take care, Felix. Yes, sir. Love's like a car that we fly It can soar, it cannot give you vertical Cause you've got my heart on a string
Good stuff, man. Dude, that was so fun. (laughs) He was awesome. He was a good guy. He was great. And dude, I I so grew up on his music. I I have spent the whole last week just listening to the Rascals Greatest Hits over and over again. It's such great music, man. And what a nice guy, man. I I feel bad. I had to toss in the question about the surviving members. He's old. He's I mean, I I don't want to. I don't know if you can see. I'm gonna try to put up a picture. Uh, that's my my sister in law at, at one of their, their shows. It says the Rascals on the top. Nice. And you know, she wanted me to ask that question. I feel like, hey, anybody that's still alive going to be touring with you? <laughs> but got to ask. You know, well, you, people you do have show. to ask. Dude. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, Felix is eighty. You know, he sounds not, great though. Yeah, he sounds great. He saw I mean, that clip that we just played. That's that's new. That's now. You know, and I wasn't kidding. If you go out there and you look up him singing the songs like Lonely Too Long or Groovin' or whatever, from recent tours, he sounds excellent. I mean, you know as well as I do, dude. Some of these guys, when they're when they're still carrying on, they, they should stop. Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's a lot younger than Felix. Yeah. And, and I mean, Felix. The President of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean that you mean that guy's doing something wrong? <laughs> He's younger than Felix. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> no, what a nice guy though, man. Yeah, I, he was great. Very gracious, very nice guy. I very, very much appreciated him. And and dude, I love hearing you know, when he kept saying, Oh, if you guys really want to hear I wanna only hear those stories. Yeah, I know. I don't want to hear about the time that you were number one on the charts or I don't care. I wanna hear that. You know, we had to rehearse and play all week for to do a two-minute spot on the Ed Sullivan show. That's yeah, what I, I want to hear. That's the kind of stuff that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was fantastic. I'm maybe I'm more geeked than anybody about doing that interview, <laughs> but uh, I really was excited about doing that one. And you know oh, me, dude. Cool. I interview a zillion bands, so yeah, no, that was I a big that. one for me. There's you know, there's guys that are musicians, then there's guys that are really musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy's a Hall of Famer kind of guy. I yes. Mean, that's, you know. I mean, that's just foundational to my whole life. I, I honestly, man, like, again, I keep naming the same two songs, Grooving and Lonely Too Long. I, I don't think I've gone six months ever without hearing those songs. Yeah. In, in my entire life, those songs were around before me. So to hear that was like so amazing. To, to talk to the guy was like absolutely very cool, man. So, hey, no problem. But then, of course, Monday, we're going to go the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Monday, complete opposite of what you just heard. Yes. (laughs) But a band that I like. Yes. uh, Taproot is going to be joining the show. That's right. The the singer, Stephen, do you know his name? No. Stephen something. But I just showed a a video of a poem to to my daughter, and she's like, Oh my God! Eight point five million views. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were a big band in the two thousands. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. he, she's like, oh, he's a cutie. I was like, well, that was twenty years ago. That's what he looks like. <laughs> you know, on, on Monday. But yeah, he was, you know, that band was cool, and I, I liked him. So yeah, Tapper. Good one today. Good one on Monday. So I'm That's excited. Right. Uh, I want to take a quick break, and then okay. 
We're going to be joined by Tony Masaccio. Very good. Restaurant reporter extraordinaire. Got to find out what car he drove down to uh, the flats. Yeah. Since his Corvette is wrecked. (laughs) And we'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes. Hang on. All right. Are you looking for a way to support the Seth Williams Show? Get your Seth Williams Show merchandise today. From coffee mugs to clothing and everything in between, our high-quality merch is the perfect way for you to not only support the show, but show everyone what is the greatest show going today. Just go to shop.thesethwilliamshow.com now, shop around, and buy some great merchandise from The Seth Williams Show. Shop today. What separates Triv's Restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's, where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single item on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious, and it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, and intimate occasions. You can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own dedicated intimate space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations, 440-238-8830. Triv's in Strongsville. Joe Burdick custom flags are amazing. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection making each piece of patriotic wall art unique. This is a local small business, veteran-owned and proud. Joe Berta creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your spirit, pride, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065. Joe Burdick Flags. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. The check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, and the light is still on. 216-470-0170. That's Charlie's Auto Repair. 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all from small engine repair to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. 216 470 0170. Charlie's Auto Repair. Let Charlie make your car great once again. Here at the Seth Williams Show with Chris Hagen. I got to go to Charlie's Auto Repair tomorrow, actually. Uh... He's installing a knob on my steering wheel. Nice. And by knob, I mean like a thing that I hold on to. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> I don't want to say it like that either. All right? That sounds awful too. <laughs> it's a round. You're making it hard for me not to stay that, clean today, that, Seth. That's what she said. Um, it's a round device that's going to go on my steering wheel so I can grip it easier okay. uh, to drive. Um, so I will be visiting uh, Charlie's Auto Repair in Lakewood tomorrow. After three o'clock. All right. Um, real quick story before we get to Tony. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get this girl to come on the show. She works at WHK. Very nice girl, Jessica Kramer. Okay. And she's got a great story because she's a younger girl 
who's actually, um, you know, it's, I think her show is called The Base Catholic. And so she's a younger girl with different views than most of her generation. Okay. Have. And she has her own podcast. And I, I want to, you know, tell people about her podcast and let her give a chance to explain everything because it's really cool. It's kind of a cool concept and I like it. Um, but the other day she was at the station and she says, cute girl, nice girl. And she goes, Oh, Seth, uh, you know, yeah, I wanted to know your opinion on my show because, you know, you've been in radio for a long time. You know, my dad was such a big fan. And right then you go, all right, dude, seriously, am I really that old now that there are people that are in their 20s that are saying, my dad was a big fan of yours? Right. I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess that's what I, I guess. The grand beard says it all, man. I'm getting old. Dude, you don't have to tell me. Look at me. I'm white. I've lost the gray. I've gone yeah, full you Santa. Look distinguished. You know, now I, I look like I'm just aging. Dude, the weirdest part for me is I don't dye my hair, but my hair does not turn gray. It is not gray. That's yeah, that is weird. It is kind of odd because the beard is like the beard looks like I'm scared. I think you know, I'm getting some, like, some gray in the hair. And I said it to somebody the other day, and I was like, Yeah. You know, losing a leg creates a little bit of stress, man. You what? Know? So there's a little bit of anxiety when it comes to, you know, having a good, you know, strap a leg on every time you got to go to the bathroom or whatever. Right. Um, maybe that's causing the gray. And I'm reminded, no, I'm just getting old. Yeah, I was going to say, it might, it might be closer to inching up on 50. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over under on how many times the feed will cut out during the segment? I said 46. Twice, uh, Chris. That's Chris says 40, 46. <laughs> Scott says three and a half. It's a new game. Tony will be cutting out no less than four times. Yeah, everybody is guessing at this point. Well, why don't we do this? Everybody that's playing this game, get yourself a bottle of whatever you're drinking. <laughs> and every time he cuts out, shot. Yeah, every time he cuts out, have a shot because <laughs> he's going to be having some drinks while he's there. I am trying a new thing with my internet, so we're going to see how this pans out. So far, so good. I have not yeah. seen the. Uh, yeah. We have nine minutes. Of yet. We have nine minutes until it usually dies. Yeah, <laughs> but they split my internet here. Yes. So now all of my devices, except for the laptop, are on one network. internet feed, right? Network, and then my laptop with the show is on another network that is supposedly five G. So we're going to see if it lasts throughout the show. I may end the show early just so I can say I made it through an entire show <laughs> without the... In fact, I'm out. <laughs> no. Bye. <laughs> so, but we'll see how this goes. All right. All right. Uh, Tony Masaggio is live once again. Tell everybody where we're at, Tony. I am at the Collision Bend in the Flats. This was the old watermark in the 70s and 80s. Okay. This is an iconic restaurant. As you can see behind me, it's Lady Caroline, which is a new boat that is owned by Nautica, which is uh, um, Jacob's investment the entire west side of the bay. We lost your, uh, your mic. You got me now? There you no, are. We got you. Okay, so. That's one. Seth, there's one. This is over and under. Oh, we're going to lose Tony on the internet. I got to stay close to the phone here. Seth, you can remember this in the flats. You actually worked for Hooters in yes. 80s? Yeah, no, 90s. 
90s. 90s. All right. So from the late 79s to the late 90s, on a Friday and Saturday evening, this place had 100,000 people walking down Old River Road, and there was zero security. Yeah. None none whatsoever. Um, And unfortunately, that was the demise of it, because once something started happening down here, it was closed up for many, many years. It was literally piles of dirt until it got, um, you know, until the restaurants happened here, until the housing happened. So, again, that's the start of this. I want to introduce my friend, Michael Brano, who is the GM of Collision Bend. Michael, say hello. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good, Michael. Um, Good. How are you? One of the best restaurant, actually, proprietor, not proprietor, but the guy who runs these places. You, you were at Alley Cat. I was at Alley Cat with. Uh, I, I've had a long career in the restaurant business. I've been doing this for twenty-five plus years. And Clinton Bend is probably the the most fun restaurant that uh, brewery that I've I've had to, the the privilege to kind of be the GM of. So it's pretty fun. So it's not only a restaurant; they also have a brewery. The cans are made right here. They're also opening up a brewery in Euclid, which, as we speak, they're pouring the cement to this place, and it is going to be an unbelievable brewery. You see all these breweries happening in Cleveland. What's really neat about this is now you can find this product in different stores, retail stores throughout Northeast Ohio. Yeah, so we're we're in a lot of stores right now. All the major guys have us, so Heinen's, Giant Eagles, and Myers. Um, Heinen's being one of our greatest partners from the beginning. Um, And then if you just go to your local package store, we're there also. Um, On the corner of my street where I live out in the east suburbs, uh, the the Sunoco station carries our beer over there because there's a lot of, you know, neat little places that are into craft beer and and they support us, which we're really lucky. And what is the brand name on the beer again? So Collision Bend Brewery. Um, So uh, the ones that you'll see in the stores right now, is our Seatown IPA, which is what we call a Midwest IPA. It's really lovely, it's balanced, just enough hops, just enough bitterness. Um, we have our Hope Flows Kolsch, which is out there, um, and our, our flagship beer, which is probably the most popular, which is our Lake Erie Sunset, which is a blood orange wheat. And boy, we call that one our patio pounder. You can you can throw a six pack of those back real quick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and as you can see, I have a flight in front of me. I've got a seltzer. Michael, this is a porter. I know that. Right? So Luke makes some of the best porters. Yeah, Cleveland makes some of the best porters in, in the United States of America. And, and Luke is making one of the finest ones in the country, too. Number ten. You know what this is. Um, I'd have to take a look real quick. Give me one second, and I'll let you know. So with that, guys, you can get me right here, or you can obviously get individual glasses of beer. You can also bring a crown, be a large bottle to go once you once you leave here, which is nice. You're able to go beer. So number number ten is is our Big Cat IPA, and um, that's my favorite IPA that we make. It's a double IPA, so it's a little. That, that, that one's, you know, that one will sneak up on you. I think it's like 8.7% alcohol on that one, but it doesn't drink that way. It's really super smooth. A lot of citrusy hops in the front. Um, it's, it's, that one goes down really nice also. So guys, you know the song? One bourbon, one scotch, and you can finish the other part. <laughs> and 20 one, beers. one <laughs> wine. <laughs> One beer or one pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you can see the array of different alcohols that you have here. Cody, picture sound. I have a Pinot Noir. There you go. 
We good? Yep. I have a Pinot Noir. I have a Woodford bourbon, which absolutely I love. And of course, the beer that's in front of me. Michael, why don't you just talk about what's in on the table? Here? So on the table right now, we have right in front of us is our new pizza. We just added that to the menu. Um, it's a Mexican street corn pizza. Um, it looks like we have our classic burger right over there. Uh, we have our, our world famous um, Brussels, uh, Brussels sprouts over there. They were just asking for the recipe, and I told them it's such a pain in the ass to make. <laughs> yeah, there's one. Down here again, uh, fonduta, which is um, got a little bit of chorizo in there, a whole bunch of cheese, some chips. Um, you know, that perfect snack for when you just want to, you know, you know, have something when you're drinking a beer. So, guys, what I'm going to do is we're going to take a little tour through awesome. the place. And, uh, Michael, thank you. As yeah, always, okay. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for coming down today, oh, Tony. Absolutely. you have any other questions real quick for thank Michael? They got parties here. They have a party room. They do weddings out here. Oh, we do corporate events. We have bands on every Friday. We have some of the best live local music in the city uh, every Friday. The best bands in town. Um, and we love the party. And that's pretty much it. We, we we like to drink beer. We like to throw parties. I mean, nice. so so my job's not too bad. Yes. And they have right. Young, which is right up the hill, guys. So a lot of times you'll come here and the place is packed with stuff suits with the ties on. And you know it's Ernst and Young and they're enjoying it after hours right at on. 5 o'clock. Uh, my, Michael, are, are you a lunch lunch and dinner place or just oh, dinner? Oh, lunch or? and dinner. Seven days a week, lunch and dinner. So okay. we get our we get our business guys in, and then you know that's where I kick in, and I tell them you know it's it's like two o'clock. You don't have to go back to the office. You can have a third beer, um, <laughs> and then we get a lot of travelers in from out of town because obviously you see the view behind us um, is just spectacular. So. We get, you know, anybody that comes to Cleveland, we get a lot of recommendations from, um, you know, all the hotels and everywhere. Like the spot. Yeah, totally got a call. And what happened? Oh, there you go. Guys, you, you got to be sorry. Um, all good. There's also, if I can just show you this bird right here, okay? okay. He is like the mascot. Frank? Fred. Fred. This is Fred. <laughs> Fred, Frank, he's coming after your food on the patio. <laughs> Fred's been with us for about five years now. Everybody always asks me, like, is that really Fred? Is that not this different bird? It's Fred. He's been here for five years. He patiently waits until people are finished with their food. Then he jumps on the table. His, his favorite things are uh, French fries and pizza. And uh, and it's a stare. And he just sits there. I have to walk up to guests all the time and go, hey, that's just Fred. He's going to stare at you for the next 45 minutes until you're finished. So just get just get used to it. So we're going to take a tour here. I was going to say it looks like dinner. but <laughs> Maybe one day. And yeah. I'm and I got to tell you, I've been doing my Push show I've been doing my show here for eight years, and this Fred has gotten bigger and bigger every year. So <laughs> he's done a great job eating off of tables. Great. I've been there, and I love that place. I mean, it's a beautiful Pleasure. place with a beautiful view. So it's a great place. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for the compliment. Right, I'm going to walk to the restaurant real quick, guys. I'm going to take Michael's pot out of his ear, and we are going to give you a tour place which is really cool so as it said in the 80s which was really nice when this was the watermark it was fine dining in the flats so you were able to get the best steak the best salmon they had a t-bone which was literally off the plate and i bet then it was probably only about ten dollars for a steak 
Like when I was talking about in the woods where they had that ribeye, which was $9 in the 80s. Right on. So I'm going to actually have Audrey pan right here. It's a beautiful patio outside. Obviously, welcome to Cleveland weather. Sun is not up, but it's still gorgeous out here. Looks great. Is it, a school? it is beautiful out there. I'll tell you that, man. It is beautiful So what's cool about this restaurant is they have different partitions, and you can have a party right here throughout the entire inside patio. And as I showed you the outside, they can, they will absolutely rent out the entire restaurant on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon for a wedding or any large event. That's great. And here's something really cool, guys. They started a pin bar tournament here. As you can see in the front window, they have no quarter pin bars like we were when we were kids. Okay. All right. Let me show you the beer and how it's made. Okay. Here's the different taps right here. And I'm going to show you actually what we, what Michael just talked about. You can actually see all the list of different beers that you can get by the glass. And those are all IPAs, Tony? A lot of them are IPAs, yep, okay. which is really cool. So there's every there's the magic right here, Chris. There you go, yeah. Here's just part of it. And these guys are here at 7 o'clock in the morning every day brewing alcohol. And then they have the cans, which I'm going to show you the kegs that are sold. And you can actually have cans, which you can buy a six-pack, a 12-pack, right from their cooler and have everything to go that you drink in a restaurant. Nice. So let me just show you something real quick, guys, and then I'm going to... What's an IPA? It's a like a craft beer. Yeah, I've only had Bud Ice, so I don't know what an IPA is. And Tony's going way too far into the catacombs. <laughs> is that three? That's three. Person and alcohol. Me? Guys, you got me? We got you. You got Kinda. me? Kind of. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. I went way too far. In I went way too far into the brewery. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, Seth? Yeah. Can, can yeah. you hear me? Okay, you asked what an IPA is? Yeah. Ignorant person and alcohol. <laughs> Again, I am here live in the flats at Collision Bend. You got to check this place out. It is great for parties, great for uh, small plates, large plates, wonderful beer. So I'm the down, down on the flats like you always did years ago. And I got to tell you, there's so many restaurants now, which we've always talked about. Alley Cat is one of your sister restaurants, which is right on the lake. And again, you remember this? So there was the foods here. There were Fagans. They knocked yeah. all those rest. They have knocked all those restaurants down, and now you have these really great fine dining restaurants. Fantastic. So, all right, let Beautiful. me leave you with this. So according to Birds of a Feather, who flock together, 
The Canadian geese has been known to mate with the black-tailed ducks. Once you go quick, you never go back. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> I, I will talk to you next week. And in the following week, I am going to be in Hawaii. So we're going to be doing a live show in Honolulu. Wow. Nice. Very good. Back to you guys in the studio. Have a great evening. You All too, right, Tony. Tony. Thank you. There goes Tony. Oh, that was good. That was good. Well, it broke up, what, three times? Who's yeah. the winner? Winner, winner. Yeah, who did win that? Was it me? I said 46. You said 46. Uh, Scott said three and a half. Scott might have won because he got it, he got it without going over. Yeah. Oh, no, he did go over. He did go over, but no, he, he, said, he said three to begin with. Then went to three and a half. Yeah, but he changed uh, his bet. Sorry, you lose. Joe said four, so nope. I don't think we have a winner. Well, I guess the winner might be, um, what is it, Scott with 1.5? <laughs> I don't see any twos. Did Gunner say two? Gunner said three, I thought. Hey, Gunner said twice. Gunner said twice. twice. All right, Gunner. Gunner, hey, nice job. You know what? We should, we, no, this, this is what we need to do. Get a we prize. Need to start for- getting, well, we need to start getting the gift certificates from these restaurants. <laughs> Yes, we do. And we'll play this game every week, and whoever comes the closest on Tony's cutouts gets the gift certificate to that restaurant. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm certainly not making fun of the restaurant or even no. Tony. It's just a matter of that's the way the internet works. And Yeah. Um, but I have been to Collision Bend. My wife and I went down there once, and we had, like, wings or something down there, and they were extremely good. Right. My daughter had a burger. I had a burger, and they were it's, it's just really good food. And where and, exactly is that? Is that like where the old shooters was, or no? It's a uh, across from like the Odeon. Oh, okay. Where the watermark was. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, it's across directly across from the Odeon. All right. Very good, man. Yeah, I, I haven't been down there in ages. Then they have a uh, on the corner there next to where the Odeon is, and I think there's a BW three used to be there. Might still be there. I'm not sure, but they have a. Uh, like a frozen margarita joint. Okay. Which has got like that bumping loud music and stuff. But what's badass about it, because I've, I've gone there just to go in and see somebody real quick, but I went in there a couple of times and they have like swings at the bar. Like swings? hang from like hang from the ceiling. Okay. And like like there's swings that you sit on at the nice. bar. <laughs> but it was it was pretty cool. It was an interesting joint to say the least. Cool. And I, I will say this though, look, I like the stuff that's in the flats now, but yeah. nothing could beat what it was back no in the way. day. And I don't care. You fine dining is good, and fine dining is good for some people, but I liked it when it was quarter bar yeah. after quarter bar, dive after dive, Hooters and Fagans, and dude, uh, all those different joints that were down there. It was just cool and fun. Nothing was better than going to a show at the Odeon. Yeah, and after that. Walking down the street, picking a place to go and have two or three drinks. Didn't they have like the crazy horse or the platinum horse or something down there? The circus. The circus. There. Go hit that place. And it, it had the two sides, the juice bar side and the naked side. Yeah. You know, so you go in there, you have a little fun. You have a little fun in there and then just being hammered, walking those streets, grabbing a, a gyro on the on the street. Yeah. Yep. That was me, like, what throughout the 90s. 
<laughs> they had paninis down there. They had this yep. bar called Kindler's that was over there. Like it was like kind of right up the hill, like in the middle area. And what was cool about that place, it was kind of like the hangout for the people that worked down there. Mm-hmm. And so it got a little bit rowdy at times, but sure. it was kind of like the place where, like, if you mess with the people that worked in the flats, they let you know that you weren't going to mess with the people that worked in the flats. Right. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it was, it was kind of a weird situation that a lot of drugs were down there. And that's ended up what killing, ended up killing the flats is that. The drugs were running just rampant down the there. Drugs and the fights. And God. the fights were bad. And then you know, late at night, you'd get some of the homeless people out there that would follow you to your cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there was one night where I walked out with this this girl that I worked with at Hooters, and it had to be two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, probably, because you know things had shut down and there wasn't a whole lot of people left. And so we were walking across the parking lot, and all of a sudden, this homeless guy started following us. Right. The girl that I was with was pretty lit and started yelling at him. And he had like a toolbox with him. Next thing you know, he's chasing us. Oh, and my fat ass is trying to run to my car. And I get to my car, I open up. Well, I opened up the door, but the windows were all smashed in. Glass all over the seats. There were needles sticking out of the seats. Beer cans <laughs> all over. I mean, some junkie and his friends had a, a party in my car after oh, smashing the windows. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit lit myself. Sure. But so, at, like, at this point, we go back into Hooters, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell to do. Four o'clock in the morning, my dumb ass is all messed up. Hope my dad's not still listening. But, and this girl, who's got her Hooters uniform on, <laughs> and we drive to the police station downtown. Oh, man. And I'm like trying to report this break in. And, and you're I'm, hammered. I'm not only hammered, believe me, there's a lot more than hammered going on. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, how you doing? I want to report a break in. And I hear, breathe into this, sir. Yeah, it was, it was like, all right, uh, I got to go. I turned around and, and left. But That's it was funny. crazy, crazy times down yeah, there. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, I remember being, I mean, I used to spend a lot of time down there because. Between, you know, being at old Peabody's a lot and, you know, the there used to be concerts all the time down there, whether it was at Odie and Peabody Shooters had concerts. All, remember Shooters for a while there in the 90s was bringing all the 80s bands that were yeah. kind of over back. So you would go over to Shooters and you'd see Night Ranger or whatever, <laughs> which which I was like, OK, cool. Hey, look, it's Loverboy coming to town. I'm in. <laughs> For like ten bucks or whatever, and I used to go to those shows all the time and just get blitzed. Like I would hook up with my friends, and then my friends would automatically, "Here, dude, have a shot. Have another. Have another. Have another." <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie and say I did not throw a punch or two down there in the flats myself. It's at one point or two or three. <laughs> I uh, before I started working at Hooters, I was actually a bouncer at the basement for a little while, and mm-hmm. you know it was cool because. You know, you got to meet a lot of girls that went to a sure the basement. But again, that downtown or down in the flat scene back in the I'd say mid to late nineties was just run by drugs and Yeah. Well uh, you know what you know what the crazy part is, dude, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory seems to think that as crazy as it was down there, the other side was worse. 
Like the other side, we never wanted to go to the other side because we were definitely like, yeah, you don't want to be over there. <laughs> the East Bank with shooters? Yeah, with, with, no, the other side. The, the East, side with, with uh, the, Nautica. Oh, yeah. That was the, the West Bank. The West Bank had yeah. shooters, though. The West Bank had shooters. Yeah, okay. And the powerhouse and, 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 power yeah. and all that. Yeah. And you know, it was depending on the night or how tame that was. But the East Bank was the side where it was just one freaking bar after another. Yeah, and, it was just a big party down there. I mean, there was this one girl that I was hanging out with, and her boyfriend is in jail. So one night, I, I mean, he was in jail for like felonious assault. So this guy was a badass. You were talking about right. you know, tattoos on his neck, and he's going to like strangle the next person he meets kind of guy. And I decided, all right, this is going to be a good idea if I hang out with his girlfriend while he's in prison. And because what's he going to do to me there? He's in prison. Right. He's in like Mansfield for damn near killing somebody. And I'm like, now hey, I'm going to hang out with his girlfriend. So we get completely ripped and we're walking around in the flats and I go into a bar to grab something, meet the guy in there for something real quick. And I was coming back out and she's sitting on the floor, the floor on the ground outside of Panini's. Right. And she's got a homeless guy's finger in her mouth, dude. And I started gagging and I, and I was supposed to give her a ride home. I was like, all right, you, I was like, have a good night. <laughs> and left this poor girl just ripped sitting outside of a bar. I couldn't handle it. I was like, right, you got to go. And then there was one night. It was NBA All-Star Weekend. Right. Again, I don't like telling these stories because you know, family that listens. But um, I had done some, I don't know how to say this. Night. Drugs? Uh, yeah, well, pizza topping. like All right. Mushrooms and stuff. Yeah, so you were tripping. And so, yeah, and I was working. And I dumped like a thing of hot water all over my hand, and I didn't feel it. And I was like looking at it, it was blistering up, and the boss is like, "Dude, you gotta go." And I'm leaning up against the counter talking to him. I felt like the whole counter was moving. He's like, "You gotta sure. leave." I was like, "NBA All Star Weekend, they shut the flats down, right, right, because there's so many people." And there's my dumbass trying to walk to a car of all things <laughs> amongst all these people and feeling like that. I thought that was it. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and I made it to my car. I had two flat tires. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. I didn't have much luck when I worked in the flats because <laughs> if you worked in the flats, people sometimes didn't like you. Yeah, oh, that's true. And so I had two flat tires and I drove like an ass with another girl that I found that was <laughs> walking the streets. And we drove to this, this parking lot that had like an air thing. And I don't remember getting home the rest of the night. I don't remember what the hell happened after that. <laughs> I woke up in her apartment, and she had apparently driven home, and I had no idea what the hell happened. <laughs> I assume I would like to think that I got lucky, but I doubt it because I, I have no recollection <laughs> about anything. You did get lucky that you got home alive. Yes, I guess. <laughs> and I still had my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the worst I think I ever remember was I went down, and I can still tell you what the show was. I went to see... Motley Crew with um, Typo and King's X nice. down at the, at Nautica, and I got just annihilated drunk. Just, I barely remember Motley Crew playing. Like, and apparently I was there for the whole show. Yeah. I woke up in my ditch at my house that I was living at in Warrensville Heights, at like the next morning. Car was in the ditch. Music was pla- was blaring. I, I don't know why the police didn't come and arrest me, but I, I apparently drove home and passed out in my car, in my ditch, put my car in my ditch. 
<laughs> with the music full blast windows down, the cops never came. Don't know how that didn't happen, but <laughs> just insanity. But I, yeah, total blackout night. And I had a few of those. <laughs> I had some I had some good times in the flats. Me too. Then I had some really bad, bad times in the flats. Yeah, that happened <laughs> A lot too. of stuff that I regret about the flats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I missed that time though, man. It was just, Cleveland was very alive at that point. Oh, you know? yeah. And maybe it's just because we were part of the scene too that it seemed more alive. Because you know, you and I were both on the radio, and we were, you know, we were back literally a part of this. Back then, I was just. A, you were still at MMS, though, were you? Employee, then, I mean, you I, weren't I working at MMS. I don't know. I gave. So my my story. I, I worked at Hooters for like a year, ninety okay. maybe ninety seven to ninety eight, right? And then I sobered up from that era of partying. <laughs> And went to like Bible study three times a week and <laughs> church like twice a week and dated a girl that was completely, you know, religious and we were right doing our holy roller thing and gave everything up, didn't touch anything. And then I was like, dude, what's and I even got engaged to that girl. And then I started working at MMS then when I was engaged to that girl. Sure. And then I uh fell back realized that there was a <laughs> like a happy medium between what I was doing originally and then the going to church and bible study three four five six times a week (laughs) and ended up not being with her getting with another girl and marrying that one number one and don't work in mms but i was done with the that flat scene dude that flat scene that whole downtown scene in that era i mean that's right when matt and i were doing the metal show on on mms and when it was in tower city yep dude I used to show up, me and my friend Pat, we used to call him Angry Pat because he was this big monster. He's like 6'5", 280, right. monster. And we would go down to the, like, the show, the the metal show was from 10 to midnight. Me and Pat would show up at um, the Hard Rock that was right there in the building at like 7 o'clock and just drink, just drink <laughs> for three hours before I had to go on the air. Like, I would just, and for some reason, thank God, I do not swear. I don't slur when I'm on, when I'm drunk. So I would just be hammered. And then I would go up to the show and Matt would just take a look at me and be like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Cause he just knew, he just knew some of those shows were going to be, you know, he was going to be laying on the dump button because I was going to be swearing. (laughs) See, That's a guy I'd like to get on the show. Matt? Yeah. We could get Matt on the show. Anything you know that more? guy's got tons of stories about musicians and back then. The radio Promises, is will he tell him? He may not tell him. Yeah, he's a little reserved. Well, because and like some of the things that we did on the on the metal show, he's very specifically asked me not to associate really? him with. Oh yeah, well, I'll tell it because I don't listen. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we did a contest once called "Get Gayer for Slayer." I remember you telling me about this. And what we did was we made people hit on. I hated our interns. I was the, I was the biggest ball buster. Ever. You honestly were the only intern I did not bust balls on. <laughs> and that's only be, truth be told. Only happened because I was so new that I myself felt like an intern. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to bust. You know, you had actually been there longer than me. So I, I didn't feel like I could bust your balls. So. We took air. We we had this intern, Jeremy, still a good friend. Jeremy comes to the show, and um, 
I was I was constantly, we'll take caller number 931, and I would make him take 931 calls. I wouldn't let him just fake it. You know, I mean, I was that kind of a ball buster just to right. get him out of the room. So at some point, we were told that Jeremy had to stay in the room because he complained that he wasn't getting his internship or whatever, you know, that I just pushed him out the, out the room. So I come up with, we, we got this great offer for a, for a promotion. This was at 92, not MMS, by the way. Yeah. But the promotion was, um, they were giving us tickets and meet and greet to Slayer, plus an autographed signed dime bag guitar. Oh, wow. Plus a, an advanced listen to the Lamb of God album that was getting ready to come out with the band. So it was like a great promotion. Uh, yeah. It, it was. So I didn't want to just do, okay, be the 10th caller. Right. I wanted I wanted them to earn it. So I came up with Get Gayer for Slayer. And what we did was we made we made people submit tapes tapes of <laughs> of them hitting on Jeremy <laughs> to try and become Jeremy's date to the Slayer show. So once we narrowed it down to three from the tapes, then we made them come in the studio to hit on Jeremy, and then we let wow. Jeremy pick who was going to be his guest. Nice. <laughs> and I mean, the three dudes that came up, one came up in a dress, <laughs> one came up with a you know makeup on like a like a bad prison bitch, you know. I mean, it was really, really <laughs> brutal. The, but but it may have been brutal, but what a prize! Yeah, it it was a total total great prize that that they won. I mean, he won literally what about four or five thousand dollars worth of prize. You know, what's a dime bag guitar sell for? Yeah. Well, now especially. Yeah. Well, that was um, after he passed. That was, was after it? he passed. So, so it wasn't like you could go get one. You know, they were hard to come by. Yeah, what the hell year was that? Because I was... 2005, maybe? 2006? I was, I was on the air the night that he died. The night that he died, they called me and said, go in and, and do the show. Oof. And I had to go in and talk about parenting yeah, <laughs> and play Jesus. the music, thank God. Um, but I was actually... It was funny because... you know. We're, Talk about I, I, we should do a whole show on just MMS stories because I got sure. so many. Um, Me too. But I was just talking to Heather the other night, my wife, about you know how did I go from literally having people eat lunch meat off of my sweaty body on an exercise bike <laughs> outside of Progressive Field to you know talking politics and following you know the things that I follow now and trying to be educated, watching Fox News every day. It's amazing how you. You change, I guess, or at least well, I did. I had to adjust because of the, my radio situation, no doubt. Well, but, and part of it is you just age out of some of that stuff, dude. You age out of some of that stuff, and I'd still do that today. I wouldn't. I, I mean, some of the crazy stuff that I, that I did that was fun, like you know, throwing lunch meat at naked chicks with Fred Durst. That's probably my <laughs> all timer. That's is awesome. you know on on the bus and Fred had a bunch of naked groupies and we were throwing <laughs> lunch meat at them for the chance to hook up with them. I mean that's what we that's literally what we were doing is whoever got the closest to certain areas got to hook up, you know. And yeah, we're throwing lunch meat at these chicks. And I mean that was cool <laughs> when I was twenty, whatever. But today I would just be like, today I wouldn't even bother. Today I'd be like, ah, you go ahead. Yeah, I just see, would. 
the scene is different though than it was back then. It back is. then, you know, the scene was one. Yeah. If you were in radio, you were something. It was. It was. It was. The rock stars kind of dug what you did for the most part. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now they look at you like you're just a radio jackass, and you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, back then you had a little bit of credibility, I guess, if sure. you want to call it that. When it came to the eyes of a rock star, it was fun. It was yeah, fun it was. going on those tour buses, man. It was. Oh yeah, you saw some craziness on the buses. Holy absolutely, cow. you did. That's a show we <laughs> ought to do some night. Just our experiences on the tour buses, because whoo. Yeah, there was some yeah. stuff happening on the tour buses. There was some definite stuff happening on the tour buses. <laughs> they, but I, I just had a good time hanging out with some of the bands on on the on the buses, just talking shit. Sure, like just talking. Zach Wild playing guitar for me and him, just me and him yeah. sitting on a freaking bus together, which is kind of creepy now when you think about it. But he just picked up a guitar and started. We're talking about a guitar god, god. And he's yeah. picking up a guitar playing for me while I'm sitting on a bus just shooting a shit with him. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool stuff back then. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. And then the MMS audience is so different from, like, a, a TAM or a, an AM audience. Like, Oh, yeah. An AM audience, you, you hear somebody whisper as you walk by. Oh, I think that's Seth from the radio. Yeah. And then MMS guys, an audience. I was at Denny's with my ex-wife, wife at the time, and... We're having dinner, and this couple just comes and sits down next to us while we're eating. <laughs> like, I have food in my mouth. They're like, Seth, we want to sit down. And they just pulled up chairs and sat yeah. with us at the table and ordered food. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, was that, in a car that... accident. I was on the air like 10 minutes before, and I was talking about doing whatever, doing this bit that we were doing. And I hung up, and I pulled out of this parking lot, and I drilled the car sideswiped this guy. Right. The guy was on his way to the hospital taking his friend, who I drilled, though, by the way, <laughs> who's having all kind of pains and this and that. And I hit him with the side of my with the front of my car. And as soon as I get out of the car, five cars just stopped like Seth. <laughs> and there were literally people coming over asking for autographs after I just drilled this poor dude and there's an <laughs> ambulance coming to take him away. Wow. <laughs> but there's such a difference between the audience. Oh, yeah. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It, it, was a fun back then, it was so cool being a part of that generation. It was. Because rock music in the 2000s and late 90s wasn't bad. No, I, dude, it was fun. I could tell you so many stories about being at corn shows and crazy stuff happening. Corn and Deftones and Ozzy and Zach Wilde and, you know, just show after show after show. Jonathan Davis, dude, one day from Corn. Yeah. I, I had made a, a thing with my ex wife. I said, I shouldn't have said that. I'm not going to repeat the story now. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I told him what happened, and he came up to me and he gave me this big, huge hug after I told him what happened. And he's Jonathan Davis, dude, yeah. and I'm a huge corn fan, so I was like sure. super pumped. And he's like, "Bro, I've never heard a story like that." <laughs> like, You're sitting in front row, and he gave us. He just literally walked us to the front of the stage. There weren't even seats. There. He just said, "You stand right nice. here." That's and awesome. Like, but rock was cool back then. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun, man. And radio was cool back then. And mm-hmm. I love what I do now. And I, you know, I don't want to do another, you know, job other than this podcast and radio stuff. I love it. Yeah, because it, it's just a fun job and it's interesting. And you know, and I, I like the different path that I've taken as far as politics. But I do miss those days of yeah. Just- but- debauchery and and rock those days are done i mean who's doing i mean even 
There's no Howard Stern anymore. There's no Opie and Anthony anymore. I mean that that era is over. I understand that, but there's but forget about fun. those guys. Forget about. I mean, we still got Rover and stuff like that, but forget about the talk radio debauchery stuff. I'm talking about just the fun, just being sp- in it, yeah. spitting the records and and cutting up tape and, and playing carts and right. and just there was an art to doing radio back then that there isn't now. No, and no, then just on top of that, they they wanted you to con- go to concerts. They wanted you to be a part mm-hmm. of the scene because they wanted oh, yeah. you to talk about it on the air. Mm-hmm. Now a concert rarely comes to town, and if it does, they don't care if you go. Yeah, you, know, you could just read a review. The, on, about the it. only way you'll hear about it on the radio is if they're spending money to to buy spots. Yeah. It's the only way. It's not. It's not like Rover or whoever. And I haven't listened to Rover forever, so I could be wrong. But it's not like Rover's going on. You guys are gonna believe where I was at last night. I was out at the at the corn show out at Blossom, and you're not gonna believe what happened. That yeah, story's it, not it, being told. Now it's oh, we're at the iHeart Radio Music Festival that's paid for by yeah. a billion dollars to put all these stupid artists out there. And what does iHeart do? Fire half their staff mm-hmm. because yeah. they can't afford anybody. Yeah. Well, Quit putting on concerts and giving people tickets, giving tickets away, and maybe you could afford to keep people that actually care about working for you. Yeah, stop spending thirty grand to bring Sammy Hagar in to play four songs at the Rock Hall. Right. Stop it. Quit paying Taylor Swift a billion dollars to do another freaking show. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. One day we'll have to spend the entire show talking about uh, the uh, the stories of, of oh, when it comes to rock radio. But I had a good time today. Yeah, it's, it's great. Felix. Cavalier. Cavalier. I think that's Cavalieri. how he said it. Cavalieri. Yeah. Uh, for coming on from the Rascals. Much appreciated. And that new uh, stuff sounded pretty good. Thanks to Absolutely. Tony Masaccio for coming on. Appreciate that. Thanks to John Drake for doing the uh, segment for the Browns. Yes. And uh, Monday, Taproot is going to be on. Taproot. That is another correct, 2000s band. One that I've seen many times back in the day. Uh, so looking forward to talking to them. And uh, we'll see what else we can have in store for you next week as well. Very good. Thanks, Chris. Good job. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you Monday, God willing. See ya.